Welcome to Startups with Niall Marr. This is a show that covers a wide variety of business and startup topics, but ultimately the goal is to give you tips, strategies and advice to grow your business and hopefully entertain you along the way. You won't just be learning from me, I'll also be chatting with founders and other interesting people from the startup world and sharing their conversations with you too. Thanks for listening and let's grow together. Hello and happy Tuesday or whatever day it is that you're listening to this. You might have heard about this crypto stuff and how Web 3.0 is going to revolutionize everything. No, no, don't stop listening just yet. I'm not going to sling over the top crypto bro propaganda at you. I've been learning to code some crypto contracts to see what goes on behind the scenes. And honestly, I'm really impressed with some of the potential use cases. When the hype calms down, we really should see some revolutionary use cases. That's if the scammers and rug pullers don't dismantle the whole thing before then. If you've never heard about Web3 or you're just wondering what the heck I'm even talking about, I'll link to an article or newsletter in the show notes with some information on it so you can be in the know-how. I think it's important that people start realizing that Web3 is not a silver bullet that the news feeds on Twitter would have you believing, but with extremes on both sides from it's just a fad to it's the future of the internet, I usually think the truth is somewhere to be found in the middle. One of the more interesting use cases I've come across is Unbanks. That's spelled U-N-B-A-N-X. And as we know it, our data is being sold by big tech companies, but I had not thought about my banking data being sold until I stumbled across this app. I was blissfully ignorant to the fact that my fried chicken, Guinness and coffee purchases might be valuable. I'm also ignorant but curious about how a business like this actually works. And in this episode, I'll be chatting with one of the founders of Unbanks, the beautiful, calm and knowledgeable Mr. Alan McDonald, as he tells me about Unbanks, how he is building his business and all of the weird things that I never thought about when it comes to creating a Web3 business. Alan is giving people a way to make some passive income with their transaction data. If you are curious about what it looks like to conceive and build a Web3 business from community to your own currency, this should be an interesting one for you. Let's jump into it. You're the first person in real life. I don't even know if I can say real life because we haven't met in the wild yet. Local person that is working on Web3. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to come in and try and teach me some bits and pieces about Web3 and the business and the business model behind it. And also fill in people with what you're doing with Unbanks. So I know it's all over the media now. People are selling our data. We don't get money for the data. <laughs> That's a, it's, a, it's a huge thing. I am totally ignorant. I don't know how much they're getting. I don't know what these things are. I'm guessing this is kind of your specialty since you're trying to give people basically some passive yeah. income to sell the data that a lot of people are already getting rid of anyway, or is the data being leaked already? So mm-hmm. these are a couple of questions just to start. Maybe let's even roll back before I go too far. What is it in your own words that Unbanks does? And then I'll, I'll start to barrage you with all of the other questions. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So at Unbanks, we're building a platform to allow anybody to sell their own banking data, so to monetize their banking data. Um, So as you kind of mentioned there, at the moment, the banking data, which I I suppose 
really what I mean is your transactional history. So when you buy a coffee or coffee or when you buy a Big Mac or something, that data is at the moment being anonymized and sold by whether it be the card companies who have the data, your bank, um, they collect this data, anonymize it, and they sell it as part of these huge data sets. And the problem is that people who create the data, who created it by doing these transactions, we don't get anything for this. And we don't think that's right. And that's what we're trying to solve is to allow people to monetize their data. And we believe in the, the concept of data as labor, as in it's something that, that yours, that if it's used, you should get paid for it. And the fact that other massive companies are making uh, quite a lot of money selling your data um, is what we're trying to fix. And there is that quote I think everyone has seen or become famous now with, uh, if you're not paying for the product, exactly. you are the product. So it's something that I think we've only become acutely aware of in the last few years. I've switched browsers yeah. now to Brave and things because I'm getting slightly more conscious about what information I'm sending to people and what they're using it for. And it's very interesting when just look watching the trackers to see how many trackers oh, are installed on websites and things that are just mining for data and trying to obviously sell it or that's how they, yeah. they make some money. Unbanks and your background then, what made you feel like you're the perfect person to solve this other than the, the crazy desire to <laughs> give people free money in a sense? Yeah. I love the way I, I talk about it as if it's free money when you've just said this is money that other people yeah, are making. So it's already out there in circulation, being bought and sold. Like myself and my co-founder, so my co-founder is my first cousin, and we, uh, we'd always been interested in the idea of passive income. Um, and We've done a few things down the years to try and, I suppose, make passive income for ourselves. So like we did, <laughs> we did a bit of Amazon FBA, a bit of drop shipping, all this sort of stuff. We actually set up a bedsheet company called Dub Linen which uh, the best thing was probably the name about that. But um, so we'd always been try trying to do these little side projects around passive income. And we'd always been quite interested in the crypto space from like 2017. Those two things together brought us to data monetization. And we kind of read about that. And at the same time, I was working in a bank and working in open banking. And I kind of understood the two areas pretty well. We chatted about it and about the idea of of collating people's banking data and selling it but there was something kind of missing we were like how would you actually do it in reality and then just i suppose on our research into the area i read an article one day about data as labor and i started describing data unions and that was kind of like the, the light bulb moment when i read about data unions I was like wow this is this is how you do it this is how you logically group all these streams of data to come in this is how you manage the members of your union and it's how you get to the marketplace at the end and how you sell the data for the members of the union so when we started looking at that that's when it all kind of clicked into place and um, from there we just we created a, a kind of a pilot that we launched in the uk in the summer of last year a three-month pilot which went uh, really well we collected like fifteen thousand unique transactions from us and um on the back of that, we applied to Outlier Ventures, which is like a Web3 accelerator. Got into that and yeah, we've just went from strength to strength during that accelerator and afterwards, so we're finished it now. And yeah, so here we are, we've released the dev platform last week, looking for feedback. And um, it's hooked up to like a sandbox bank account. We'll get the feedback, iterate, and then hopefully towards the end of March, start of April, go live with real banks. That's when it gets exciting. I 
have put it on my list of things to do, so sign up and give you some of my data as well to try it out because it it's rapidly growing. It looks great. It's very interesting because, look, I'm using Revolut and everyone now, and I know that's a big chunk of their money is being made from the transaction yeah. data and things like that. So it's very cool to see the changes as well. Growing the business, and this is something that I think Twitter is probably the main vessel for when I see it. Everywhere on Twitter, you just see, I'm running the big crypto company. Where are people marketing this stuff? How do you get a business off the ground? How do you cut through the noise and look real and trustworthy, I guess? At the moment, it feels a little bit mm. like cowboy country because there's so many people who are leveraging the lack of knowledge to just to, for their own gain. I know you personally, you have an actual product. People can see it, they try it, they're getting paid for it. It's not like some of the crazy <laughs> NFT projects out there with rug yeah. pulls and everything. So yeah, how do you cut through that noise? Yeah, so I mean, it is, as you point out, an incredibly noisy space. You know, there's hundreds of NFT projects every week and new crypto projects. And a lot of them out there, I would imagine, are just kind of white papers and just like, oh, we're going to do this. A product never sees the light of day. Um, it is tricky. Uh, the the only real way to do it that we've seen so far is try to build a community. So try to build in public, put out videos weekly, put out articles, be pretty visible on Twitter or as visible as you can be. Just replying to people who, who try and contact you or, or in about a topic that's related. And we have a Telegram group. We get feedback in and we can talk one to one people. So. Uh, that's pretty good. We haven't gone down the, the route that you have of a Discord channel yet and <laughs> tried to manage all that, but maybe in the future. But that's really the only way because a lot of this stuff, it's very difficult to get around if you try paid advertising on Facebook and Instagram. You, we've got accounts suspended just for trying to promote what we're doing. With Twitter, wow. you, you get a lot of ads rejected. We haven't tried Google yet, but it's pretty similar, I imagine. The paid advertising route, isn't as um, much of an option we found so the only alternative really is building a public and putting out the content yourself and just trying to get it to to grow naturally there is loads of roadblocks i see especially in say the irish market but even just in terms of looking at your rebrand in the last couple of weeks is just because you're crypto or just because you had the word bank that you're running into Problems that I just never thought existed. Now, it's it's interesting from the outside to see these problems, but honestly, for you, it's a massive headache. Do you find these crazy rules hard to navigate? Are you just learning about them as they come up? Or how do you stay on top of all this madness? Because I've talked to a friend of yours on Twitter who actually had to register his business in oh, Singapore yeah. even to get around some of the laws here and things like that. He has said... To me, that there's just giant issues with the developing business here in Ireland, especially. What are the issues you're facing immediately that's kind of stopping you here in Ireland? Have you had to go that far of a route as registering elsewhere or how is it affecting you? So, so there's a few things there. I mean, firstly, the name. So we, we rebranded from Unbanks, uh, U-N-B-A-N-K-S to on banks un banx so that was that's the type of thing it's just learning on the fly like how how is somebody to know you can't register uh, a business with the four letter four letters bank and 
we didn't have a clue. So <laughs> we we did all our branding and domain names and all that and put that out there. And then we tried to register it because registering a name isn't the first thing you do because they're going to walk it up. And, but when we couldn't get that, we asked about it. We're like, why can't we get it? And they told us about banking licenses. You can't just call yourself something bank or a bank, which, you know, makes a bit of sense, I suppose. But so we, we actually incorporated the company as a completely generic name uh, and then just kind of did a, a trading at some banks, but that was still a problem. So anyway, just to, so we didn't run into issues in the future. We thought we'd rebrand now to try and stop any of them happening. So that's why we did that, which is pretty annoying, even though we only changed another really rebranding, even when we're quite small is still <laughs> a headache because you have so many things to think of and change. So we're going to launch our own token, Geobank's token, and probably Q3 this year. And that's a utility token for our platform. But Trying to do that in Ireland is, I suppose, annoyingly expensive in that nobody that we can find has done it yet. Whoever would go and do that would have to be the first person to pay all the lawyers to figure it out, which will just ruin up a pretty huge bill. So we're going to go to Gibraltar as opposed to Singapore, where there's a well-trodden path. You go to a lawyer, this lawyer's probably done maybe 50 different tokens in the previous year and it's okay you pay x amount we're going to do this there's a framework so there's no figuring out you know what the yeah. story is how much it's going to cost how long it'll take etc whereas here in ireland at the moment um there's just too many unknowns which just means it's going to be too expensive that's usually the reason why you don't see irish companies launching tokens hopefully it'll get better i'm sure it will i can't get a whole lot worse in that there's really no there's no guidance <laughs> at the moment but yeah we're trying to build up a community here in ireland with that get i suppose more eyes on the area in general on the ireland versus everywhere else still i've seen kind of lisbon mm. being baptized the capital of crypto for yeah. europe so what is the difference i'm sure it's just a case of it's probably might mirror your last answer in the case of we haven't done it here yet so there's not much of a framework there's not much here that they can help us with what makes lisbon so different than the rest of europe at the moment anyway for crypto companies there's a few things like lisbon dow where they've created a, a dow like a decentralized organization um so there's a lot of experimenting going on there whether or not the kind of laws in the jurisdiction like of portugal are much different than here in terms of launching a token i haven't heard of anyone launching a token from portugal not that i've gone looking for one but generally there's a few places in the world like switzerland Gibraltar, singapore etc but another thing is the tax laws in portugal are pretty pretty nice for people uh, who deal in crypto in terms of the actual legalities of launching a token i don't know um, how much of a difference there is between ireland and portugal but there's certainly a huge uh, community over there in terms of web3 we all we know all too well how tax incentives yeah. can definitely bolster an entire country. <laughs> nudge, yeah. nudge, Ireland. Don't knock it. I've been told by ex-companies, even by the HR department, saying, your job's safe, we need this place as a tax <laughs> office. <laughs> you're going to launch your own yeah. token in the future, but right now you're using, is it yes. Streamer? Uh, the name of the token is Data, yeah, and the company is Streamer. So the name of the token, data, and for somebody who is brand new to this space, how does leveraging something like data help your business in the short term before you get to your own token as well? Because I think it will lead on to why mm. you're doing your own token at all, I'm sure, that you have a streamer or data helping you out. A streamer, 
they've built a decentralized uh, pub sub network. It's like a kind of a Kafka decentralized and that's their core business. So that's how they started up. And then they found that data unions were a pretty good use case for this network as in transporting all the data that may come through a, a data union. So they built this data union framework on top of their network and the native token on their network is their data token. The default state is when you use the streamer data union, get paid in data and you sell the, the data sets in this data token. That's why we're, we're using that and why we're leveraging their token initially. And then what we'll do is transition to our own token when we have it ready. So we can just switch over the, the token that's used in the platform. But yeah, it, it's the native token of the network that we'll be using is why we're using it. I guess that's always a good framework to see how somebody who's doing the data unions first is doing it. So you know what you need in your yeah. own tech stack and technology as well when you're putting this out. Because I'm, I'm just so ignorant to data and the problems of it that I haven't even thought of what you would need to do mm. to put that on a network, really. I've been learning some <laughs> solidity. Yeah. I've told you that in my own Discord. The data that moves through solidity is very small and yes. very expensive. I'm just trying to think with my Solidity hat on, like, how would you ever transfer that amount of data without going bankrupt? <laughs> so it's a very interesting problem, I'm sure. But one that, I guess, Ethereum won't uh, solve anytime. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the data that's, that's transferred on the network is not on-chain. So it's streams of live data. So if, if you were to buy from the Unbanks data set or data stream, I suppose it'd be called, you subscribe to a live stream of data as opposed to uh, buying static files, which can be made as well. But the, the network oh. they've made is, I suppose, just a decentralized network for moving data. So you are purchasing a key to a feed, really, then? Is that yeah. the end result? So you get you buy it in time slots. So you can say, uh, we price it in hourly, so X amount per hour to access the unbanked stream. And then companies can buy 10 hours, 24 hours, whatever they want. I was going to ask, so it's probably the, the best thing to answer that is how do you actually make money off this when you're giving away money to people? So is it a commission you get for people using the the feed? I mean, this is it's a good point as well because it's this is something that we find causes a bit of confusion. We've built Unbanks as a platform to allow people to sell their own data, to facilitate people selling data. You link your bank account to Unbanks and we'll anonymize the data and essentially collate it with all the other members' data to create this kind of set. And then when somebody buys the data set, the, and this is where the, the union magic comes in, the, the funds are essentially divided up between all the members who've contributed data to that data set. And we'll take between a 10 and 15% commission on that as it flows back through. So it's not like we're giving you money for your data, we're taking it and then selling it you know, five times that amount to somebody else, we only get a percentage of what it's sold for. Pretty standard kind of marketplace stuff, like eBay or something. You're the system to yeah. handle transactions, not a reseller, which is what a lot exactly, of places yeah. are when it comes to data, especially, which is just, we'll give you some pennies. And yeah, and good. the whole, I suppose, the main point of it all is that it is a union, so it's, it's member-led. And um, that's the whole link between, if you think of trade unions, so an easier way to maybe explain this is if you think of a trade union and a workers union where people come together for strength in numbers. So this is the same type of thing, like your data 
I don't mean to burst your bubble, but your data is not worth the whole lot, you know, <laughs> Niall's data, but your data in a set of 10, 15,000, 20,000 people, that's valuable because you can gain insights on the cohort. Whereas a trade union, the kind of the currency would be labor. A data union's currency obviously is data and you're able to sell that data. Makes a lot of sense. So that you need a, the critical mass yeah. then to make it valuable, like a lot of data sets. I know this all too well because I'm also in the back of my mind recently trying to figure out how can I get more hiring data so that I can be more effective at making hiring decisions <laughs> yeah. with MyQ. So we need tons of raw text from interviews to try and come up with uh, language processing that would spit out things. And I, I like to think of data always in that sense of an interview isn't enough to do anything with because it's just an isolated case. But And that's the value for any big company that's going to buy data is that they need sets and sets of data to run whatever they're running yeah, on it. I mean, it's only valuable in the aggregate. So there's no value, as I was saying, in kind of single streams of data. It's only valuable when you aggregate it together. And from that, you can get insights. So X amount of males between 30 and 35 spend their money on this on a Saturday. That's valuable as opposed to... Damn, that would be an interesting data set. <laughs> I want to see what that's in that bracket. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, it also has to be, not that it has to be, but it, again, it's more valuable in a specific uh, geolocation. If, if we've 30,000 people on our platform spread across mainland Europe, that's a bit too fragmented to be valuable. Whereas if we've 30,000 people in uh, the greater London area, that's valuable. These are all things I just wouldn't have thought of. You just pick all it up, I suppose, on, on the journey. Are you enjoying the podcast? Just so you know, most people will find this show through sharing. If you have a friend that you think would like this show too, open the app, tap that share button and send them a real quick text. This will really help the podcast out to grow and find new listeners. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get back to the show. I would love an <laughs> overview of tokens and how they work. So from my point of view, tokens is really where they kind of diverge. So if you're building, say, your traditional SaaS startup or whatever, and you've all had to manage all the normal everyday things to manage. With the Web3 stuff, you have all of that. And then you've got this token ecosystem that needs to be managed and needs to be taken care of because it's really the lifeblood of the company. So we're going to launch a token. And there's many reasons why we're doing it. Probably number one reason is it provides ownership and kind of transparency to our members. So. We want the members to be part of it. We want to have a kind of a voting system, as in uh, you can vote with your, your tokens, you know, the amount of tokens you have, the amount of votes you have, stuff like this. And it gives people a say and it gives people skin in the game or feels like they're contributing to the company and to the decisions made. So that's one big reason. And then it's great for community building. So by having this token, we can reward um, people for, say, if somebody wants to be a community manager, like a Discord community manager, we can say, okay, we can give you X amount of tokens. And again, you get buy-in and you're, it's all feeding into the one kind of flywheel of the, of the token. It also allows for fundraising. So instead of fundraising with equity, we fundraise with tokens. So um, equity, you might hear the term safe, so S-A-F-E, and it's like a future equity deal. And with tokens, it's staffed, so future token. Quite similar, but it's a bit of a roadblock in terms of, I haven't found many Irish companies who Saft Invest, 
Um, so I think it's, it's relatively new here, but it, it's getting more and more into the, the vernacular, I suppose. You hear more and more people talking about it. So with the token, you have to do what's called tokenomics. So obviously <laughs> token economics. And this is something you need to do when you're doing the token design. And the one word that's probably the most important in doing a token is utility. So you need to prove the utility. It needs to have utility. You can't create a token and the only purpose for it being that it will appreciate in value. That's basically a security and that's, I don't know if it's illegal, but it's certainly frowned upon. I think you might have to have certain dispensations to create securities, but basically the token needs to have utility and it has to have a value. So like Ethereum is probably the best example of that where the token is used as gas on the network. You know, when you want to send somebody $10 in Ethereum, it costs you $100 to send it to them. <laughs> that type of thing, yeah. it's the gas on the network. But it's, it's a very interesting area um, designing the tokenomics and investing periods and cliffs and all this sort of stuff. So it's definitely an area that you don't necessarily see in non-Web3 startups and companies, but it's really super interesting. Is there resources for people to learn about tokenomics uh, and that kind of thing? Because I haven't seen many resources on it. And now that you're like, that's probably brought on a half dozen more questions to me. Like if somebody wants to go really go down the rabbit hole and nerd out on this. There's a few different resources. So there's one called Third Web, which makes it easy to build Web3 products. And there's a bit of tokenomics in that. There's a tokenomics course you can do. I think it might be run by, there's a company called Kernel who do like a Web3 accelerator. I think they have a good bit on tokenomics. I mean, there's a lot of videos now you just put into YouTube and you'll see some some videos on it. Yeah, and like anything, everybody will have their own opinion on it. So you'll hear various, well, what you're meant to do, like burns and staking and all this sort of stuff. It's such a new industry that it's only right that there's volatile yeah. opinions because we don't know what best way to use these utilities yeah. are. Yeah, this is it. The whole area, like... I think there's misconceptions everywhere in it. And like some people think decentralizing everything will solve all the world's problems. And we should turn governments into DAOs. And then on the other side, we've got people shouting it's a scam and it's just used by criminals. So with everything, I think the, the truth is never at the extremes. It's going to fall somewhere in the middle. But yeah, it's, again, it's a pretty noisy area. So you need to do your own research as the phrase goes and, and try and understand and figure it out for yourself. And I'd love to dive into a couple of those misconceptions because it's something I think we've mm. even had back and forth in the yeah. Discord on just talking about people's opinions. But before we go off the topic of utility, what does it look like for you then proving the utility of your token? Yeah, so for, for us, what happens is when you contribute your data, we make the data set and we sell the data set. So People who will buy the data set from the marketplace will buy in our token, or we encourage that they buy in our token, we'll give them discounts or whatever, but we, we try our best to make it sure that they buy in our token, which then flows back through the data union, through to the users who get paid in our token. So it's like the payment rails on our network and people will get paid in our token. So that's the utility of it. And then building into that kind of the, just the ecosystem will build around it and adding into the community rewards and giving people tokens for doing parts for the, for the company. I even seen it on your last video, your release, that you were giving or alluding to if anyone found a serious bug that you'd give a few more tokens exactly, their yeah, way. Exactly. So it's a nice incentive. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And it's we've had 
even we've only released the, the dev platform a week now and, and the feedback just come back like today we got a 10-page word document from somebody who we didn't we'd never talked to like screenshots saying this works this doesn't work it's incredibly helpful as i kind of said to you before it's scary releasing something but the feedback that you gain from it is just invaluable there is no one that advises people to release yeah. late i think i've never come across somebody that says wait longer <laughs> yeah it's not perfect <laughs> enough it's obviously scary, everything yeah. is when it's new. Now I'll kind of let you dive back into where we were chatting and the misconceptions land of Web3. And I guess this is something when we first started talking, I had been starting to go down the rabbit hole, but I hadn't really educated myself on a topic enough to even understand how these things yeah. work under the hood. I feel I'm a little bit better versed now because I've went off and learned how to use Solidity and deploy a contract and see how this data and the gas fees and all these bits hang together and i'm even using that uh, mm. third web framework that you were talking about just a, a moment ago after you mentioning it to me to have a look at it uh, in, a, nice. in another conversation of ours it's been eye-opening to me because i was very unsure i like the tech i like some of the cool projects i'm a collector so i like the nft projects and things because i see value in that as a, a collector but for other people or people that aren't getting into the ecosystem or even maybe just hesitant of jumping in? What are the misconceptions you think that scare people away from doing more in this in this place? I think a lot of the misconceptions have merit. Like I think what annoys me is when you hear somebody saying NFTs are a scam. To me, that's like somebody saying an easy to instance is a scam. NFT is just a way to do something. It's a unique address on the public database, essentially. There are a lot of NFT project scams Probably, most likely. There's a lot of stuff out there that probably doesn't have good intentions or they're trying to make a bit of money. But what I find exciting about that area is the, the potential to enable different um, functionality. I think a lot of it does get lost in the pictures of apes that are worth a quarter of a million dollars. No, it's hard to overlook something like that. And fair enough. But there's a lot of really interesting use cases, especially for NFTs. I mean, it's only one part of the whole area. But I can understand why people are hesitant. And I think... The hype around it puts some people off or puts a lot of people off, like just the pure, there's so much hype. If somebody just stumbled across something like this and there wasn't much about it and looked at, just looked at the technical details of it, they might think, oh, that's actually pretty, you know, there might be some nice use cases for it. But if you come into it, having read all the hype about it, you're like, oh, what's this? Like, why is there so much hype around this? But yeah, I think, that, as I said, there's, there's misconceptions on both sides. It's, you just need to try and cut through the noise. I think it's always the case, and Twitter's always a great example of it, is you'll only hear yeah. the extremes, the stuff that gets commented on, especially because Twitter is one of those environments where you can't mm. upvote and downvote. You can only like it or react. And the only way to react is by leaving yeah. some comments. So it's very volatile in that manner. I think a lot of people forget when they look at Twitter, why why are people so angry? It's because you didn't give them the option to just silently <laughs> downvote this thing. Like on yeah, that's, that's what I don't get sometimes is the anger. Some people get so angry about it. And like, like I'm not going to spend <laughs> any time arguing somebody on Twitter or Reddit or something about trying to convince them that decentralizing something is a good idea. I don't know you have your own opinions, but I find the own, the most efficient thing, I suppose, for us to do is to try and build a simple product that actually 
showcases a good use case of the technology as opposed to you know spending time arguing with people about it that's what we're trying to do and hopefully we'll release it soon I'm looking forward to seeing it as well because it's a very interesting way. I, I can't wait to try it out myself as well. And you can see how my uh, 3 a.m. bank <laughs> charges are being spent. Yeah. It's because it's, it's to buy those bad chips that give me the hangover the next day. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting space. I'm, I'm enjoying it when I find people who really find it as a solution to a problem yeah. they're having. So, for instance, I, I'm working with a, a guy at the moment and it was a great opportunity for me to learn more about this. But he's using it, he's a fairly well-known comedian in the States, but he's using it as a way to give fans of his exclusive access to things. So he wants an NFT mm. membership card that just gives you access to things before anyone else. And randomly, he'll be able to send physical goods to people. And I know even that membership card that he's developing is free. So it's just a case of he's just yeah. going to limit it. Like... Even Third Web, when I was signing up, you got a little NFT yeah. membership card and that's how you access the docs and things. I like those little physical things where it's not a cash grab and people who are sincerely interested in the technology and what they can enable and how they can make life easier for themselves with the technology. Yeah, and I think the collectible area is um, a very understandable, very translatable from collecting a physical, whether it be cards or, or action figures or whatever and i think that's very easily understood by people and why maybe it was one of the first areas to take off and uh, you know understand rarity and different traits of certain things and it kind of made sense in people's heads already and then when they seen it in a, a web3 format or a digital format they're kind of like oh yeah it can still make sense and i think another thing you touched on there memberships is another one that i'm seeing come to the fore where Again, it exists and we understand the concept and that it can be brought across to uh, digital, as in digital memberships, pretty easily and successfully. Like there's one, uh, I don't know if you're a golfer, but there's a there's one NFT project that is called LinksDAO. And the idea behind it was this, they created this NFT collection and I think they were each like a few hundred quid or something like that all the money they got made towards it so you buy an nft you become a member of linkstow and the idea is that they're actually going to buy a real world golf course in the states and that by having the nft membership you get to go play the golf course or you get certain perks or this and that's a really cool idea because it's really translating into the real world as well it's not just everything's not existing on chain so you can actually go and maybe play a golf course or something and i think that's pretty cool again that kind of mirrors what I was saying with the, the project I'm working on is the, the person wants it. So if somebody isn't a fan of his anymore, that they yeah. can sell it if they feel like it and give it to somebody who's a better fan and that actually does want access to these things when they run out. So it's a very interesting one when it's real world things happening as a result. That is so cool though, because it's nearly like a mix of crowdfunding, membership, just yeah. bragging rights. <laughs> All of these cool things come into it. And I think people will forget, like, it's... People just like playing with new tech as well. So you're going to see some noise. We're nerds, especially us builders, anyway. We're nerds. We like to try new yeah. shit out and see what happens. And there's a lot of that happening right now. And I think it's going to be way crazier in a decade when people have ironed out a lot of the kinks that we're seeing at the moment. One thing I suppose I've overlooked sometimes is that and if like messing around with NFTs is, is fun, like it's interesting, it's fun. Whereas messing around with 
cryptocurrencies maybe three years ago. It wasn't, it was grand, but it was just speculating on, you know, various tokens. But NFTs have a kind of an element of fun to them. And um, I think that's probably why they've become almost like the, the killer application for crypto and getting a huge amount of people into it just because of how fun they are. Easy to market because yeah. it's visual as well. Exactly. I think I tell a lot of people that I, when I was doing YouTube and things originally, I only focused uh, front-end development because mm. it's visual. It's what sells. It's sexy. So I think that's what's funny that I, I could see exactly why NFTs took off is because it's easy to market that. Whereas it's not as sexy to sell the technology and what it enables theoretically. Nobody's going to read a white paper but everyone can see a stone exactly, monkey. Exactly. Even us who are into it <laughs> exactly. wouldn't find that uh, fun. <laughs> the growing the ecosystem here in Ireland, then, because this is something you're actively doing. You've just launched a Web3 mm. meetup here uh, in Dublin. How is that going? Where is it going? What's the plans for next year with it? Are you finding a lot of new people that you haven't met so far in the ecosystem? Or, yeah, how's yeah, that going? I mean, it's going? Pretty well so far. Um, myself and another guy, the guy I actually mentioned before, we met by accident on there's a, a protocol called Ocean. It's like a, a data marketplace, and um, you can apply for grants. And I was going through, I think, and applying, and I was looking at other applications, and I seen this other one about physios, and I looked down through it, and there was a load of pictures of people doing squats in a uh, Leinster rugby gear. So it was like some of the the team, and um, I thought that's a bit strange. I wasn't expecting to see that. So I, I pinged the person who put the proposal in, and sure enough, um, he's from Dublin. So we, we kind of got chatting from there, and we thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was more of a community that you could leverage and talk to? Because we had only ever met each other in the Web3 space, no, no one else from Ireland. So we just put up the, the meetup group, and then I think we had our first one at the end of November, then skipped Christmas, obviously, end of January, there a few weeks ago, and then we'll hopefully have one, our first one in real life. Um, towards the end of this month. And there's about, I think, 130 people in the group so far, which is great. Uh, so many people yeah, showing That's an interest huge. in it. Yeah, and then there's crossover with other groups. I wasn't really, didn't look much at Meetup before, but there's a like a Dublin Ethereum uh, Meetup group as well. And there's a Blockchain Ireland group. So when you kind of put it out there and, and dig into it a bit, there, there is stuff going on. It's just a matter of getting all the people together and um, putting it out there for people to see and who are interested in it to join along and contribute. So, I mean, we encourage anybody to join uh, the, any of the meetup groups, but the Web3 Dublin one is one that we want the, much like any community in Web3, the community to contribute and run. I'm hoping you get loads of Dublin shirts <laughs> made up. We'll have to bring the brand back. Or... <laughs> Just for it, yeah. Like, I know from starting a community here in Dublin, and I have one of the biggest coding communities yeah. in Dublin at the moment, and it's about a thousand people. So, having that kind of uptake already to me is just, oh, this is going to take off, which is great. Because I know early on, for the first six months, every month, I was thinking, should I just give up? So, Stick with it as well, If there, although I don't think you're going to have a problem with people not jumping into this because it's so new. People want to talk about it. It's, it is cool to see. And ho hopefully, great, I didn't realize was, the next one is going to be in person. I'm going to have yes, some along Yes, we haven't that. set a date yet because we're still waiting to get confirmation on the location. But yes, absolutely in person. Can't wait for that.
sweet. Let me know if I, I can help you with anything with that. Yeah, well. absolutely. We'll do. Obviously, I know plenty of people who will sponsor for pizzas and everything nice. else like that <laughs> for these kinds of things. I'm always annoying people. I'm, I'm like half pizza, yeah. mostly beer. <laughs> That's what I need for my meetups. <laughs> exactly. It's it's fun. I think the now that we're at the end of yeah. COVID, hopefully, I say this mm. famous last yeah, be, words. Be I think I'll, I'll have cursed us all. Yeah. At the time of recording, <laughs> it looks like this is that we're coming out the other side of it. Because <laughs> anyone that's locked up in two years after their 83rd vaccine now will be like, nah, it wasn't Long over. Again, <laughs> As always. Yeah, so I don't even know where I was going with that thought. I think, look, it's great to see people back meeting in person. I did uh, an event before Christmas, before we had another lockdown here, and it was amazing. Just to have people in and excited. So many people have gotten into the scene during COVID and haven't got the opportunity to meet other people in the space. So getting into these places in real life is amazing. I think 90% of the people who I met at my last meetup had never been to a meetup in their life. Oh, wow. Which is, which just shows like how much people wanted to go and how excited people were to meet people in real life you're going to find people that have yeah. never gone to meetups even because they've had time to learn all this stuff while exactly, locked up yeah. with nothing else to do i always ask my guests a few things before i mm-hmm. throw them off the call <laughs> and first one is what is your favorite book my favorite book to be honest i'm a really bad reader i have uh, the attention span of a child so books generally i consume by listening to them <laughs> This is really the only way I can get through one. I'm not sure what my favorite one overall is, but the best one I've listened to recently was, I think it was called Banking On It. Again, it's about banking, <laughs> but um, it's by Anne Bowden, who is the founder and CEO of Starlink. So Starlink's like a neobank in the UK. She was ex-AIB, isn't she? She was ex-AIB, yes. Yeah. So she worked over here for years. I was interested to hear the story of Starlink but what I didn't know before getting the book was the whole thing with Monzo and the whole drama that happened there with her and the other founder, Tom Blomfield, I think it was. So it's an incredibly interesting story. One of those things that could be made into a movie, the two companies just split and your man took all the senior staff to try to start his own uh, bank. So, I mean, I thought that was brilliant. A couple of people, I didn't realise there was a book, one, on her story, but a couple of people have mentioned her by name and the story. So now I understand why. If there's yeah, a book out there with all this knowledge, that's probably where you're getting story, this yeah. craziness. Because I was like, what a random thing to know about a senior executive <laughs> in AIB that went off to start their own company. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to check that out. The next one is a tool. Is there a, like something you use that in business every day or just in your personal life that you would be lost without? Yeah, that's an easy one. I use Canva every day regardless of what I'm doing I don't know I just I constantly have the tab open it's like um, instant professionalism <laughs> in terms of graphics I, I mean if I ever uh, am encouraging anyone to do a startup to start anything I'd always them to get that just to get visuals that are professional looking in a very short amount of time I, I think it's brilliant yeah I should have asked you this earlier a little bit but is there any final tips you have for somebody that's going out there to start a Web3 business 
If you try and start one, you'll hear this over and over again. It's pretty much all about the community. The best money you'll ever spend is on uh, building the community, like never mind paid marketing or whatever. Um, the most value, value you'll get is putting effort and money into the community. You need to build it up for many reasons. As I suppose we're finding now for feedback, it's fantastic to get those early users in um, to build feedback. And never mind about just kind of organic referrals and telling people about it, spreading the word. If you try and build a web tree company without a community, you're just, you're fighting the losing battle. I'm going to do some shameless self-promotion then on that note, because my very first episode of this podcast is all mm. about growing community because a friend of mine, Matt, has grown a Slack community in the last few years to 100,000 people. And it's just him and his co-founder that have 300,000 users on the platform. And he just says it's all yeah. because of community. So if people are want some tips on just the community aspect, go they can go over and listen to that episode. I listened to that actually as well. It was, I signed up to sign after that about the different devs to get onto the beta. It was a good episode. He's a very smart guy. That's a person that I like to meet at least once a month just to mm. swap ideas. So it's he's always a, a good person to chat to. Then I've been shameless. Where can people find you? Where do you want people to find you? How can they get on, on banks and anything else you want to share? I have a landing page up at the moment, which links out to the dev platform, but that's on banks.me. So U-N-B-A-N-X dot M-E. And from there, you'll be able to sign up to the newsletter, test out the dev platform. You'll find uh, all our socials there. So uh, Twitter is at unbanks underscore app, A-P-P. And they're the main place. So we're most visible on Twitter. And of course, we appreciate any uh, feedback on the dev platform. I sign up to the newsletter. You can email me directly, alan, A-L-A-N, at unbanks.me. Um, that's in terms of unbanks. And then if you are interested in the web tree community or the, the meetup and um, that's just on meetup meetup.com is i think web tree dublin and um, we tried an audacious rebrand from web tree dublin to web tree ireland i think half of the stuff says ireland half says dublin but if you look for web tree dublin you'll find it you were just really excited to rebrand this month you're just like let's just change everything canva was open double time this month absolutely i've got too many logos floating about that place Excellent. Let's hope you don't have to do many more in the next ah, yeah. a few months anyway. Cheers, Alan, for joining me today. And hopefully we'll be catching up offline very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Noel. Who knew that having bank in your business name would cause a rebrand? Or even that there is a whole industry made up of transaction data? I love how nonchalantly Alan brushes off the hurdles he is hitting in his own journey. If you would like to connect with Alan or try out Unbanks for yourself, I will throw all the links in the show notes. I'm really excited to see Unbanks and the WebTree community grow with Alan over the coming years. I'm hoping to get to his next event in person, so if any of you are in the area, come and join me for a beer or six. If you haven't already, come connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter where I post more nonsense, and I would love if you could send me a message and let me know if there are any topics you would like me to cover or what you've thought of the few episodes we have done so far. If you enjoyed this episode, I have a little favor to ask. If you could leave the podcast a kind review, it would really help the show out. It appeases the algorithm gods and helps me reach new people, so I really appreciate it. And until next time, my beautiful friends, keep learning and keep growing.